Facebook now owned my mother or something. I'm going to learn about theoretical physics while I'm blasted off my tits. You might kill yourself. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. From the outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Stedman, and anything you can't deal with is your own problem. I'm John Hickman, and uh, although I haven't been on a podcast for ages, the, uh, the plan have been in the planning office for the past six months. So <laughs> I'm John Bands and I've been dead for five million years. Of course I'm safe. Even the ghosts will have settled down and raised families by now. <laughs> um, we've been away for quite a while, um, only having just recovered from our live show. So let's have a quick look through Hitchhiker's News and... Uh, yeah, Douglas Adams is still dead. So, with that, uh, let's get on with something partly political. The take me to your lizard bit from So Long and Thanks for All the Fish has been oft quoted around the web. It's a, con- a conversation between Ford and Arthur, and the shortened version goes like this, starting with Ford talking about a specific planet. The people are people, the leaders are lizards, the people hate the lizards, and the lizards rule the people. So, says Arthur, why don't the people get rid of the lizards? It honestly doesn't occur to them, says Ford, who goes on to say, if they didn't vote for a lizard, the wrong lizard might get in. He concludes with, some people say that the lizards are the best thing that ever happened to them. They're completely wrong, of course. Okay, so who wants to educate me and the listener about David Icke? And for a further two points, is there a correlation between Icke and Adams? I can tell you a bit about David Icke. David Icke is a British railway sandwich. (laughs) What? He's a British rail sandwich, John. Go on. What I mean is, he exists mainly as a comedic shorthand. (laughs) He's something that a lazy joke writer could use for a Radio 4 show. All right. God, it's a little bit on the nose there, John. (laughs) He's like, he's, he's, he's shorthand for a certain type of craziness, particularly kind of conspiracy theory crazy, but with a bit of a, bit of a supernatural God kind of twist. Uh, his heyday was, I'm not sure if it was the 1970s and the 1980s, but I'm, I'm aware of him from, from his from, from his being mentioned constantly in the 80s. Mm. So he's basically, for someone who's in their 40s or 50s, he's, uh, he's a reference that uh, like a millennial type joke writer could use chemtrails for instead. <laughs> so he's, he's a quick way into discussing quackery and kind of deep state issues. Um, and sort of by way of a summary, I'd say to you that um, jet fuel can't melt David Ike memes. Ike, Ike is fascinating, though, isn't he? Um, the only um, correlation I can come up with between uh, David Ike and Douglas Adams is they've both been on Wogan. <laughs> I told you, eighties heyday. When David Ike turned up in his lilac shell suit <laughs> into the public consciousness, as um, claiming at that point, I think that he was the son of God. <laughs> that was um, that, that appearance, that announcement of um, transition from he was goalkeeper, then he was a sports broadcaster. I think he like presented Sports Night and stuff, and then he went full. Um, wacko. It was yeah. That was that was. I happened on Wogan. For me, at least, David Icke talks a lot of sense. So okay, we can go back to the the example of the lizards and stuff. So David Icke famously suggests that our ruling elite are lizards. And we should be clear: this is not a metaphor. He literally means they are lizards. Well, that's that's what it is. So you th- I think that it, it it's a it's a it works brilliantly as a metaphor because you can. You can say, okay, uh, these people are lizards, i.e. they are different to you. And if you look at really posh people or Americans, (laughs) they look different to us normal working or middle class 
English people, they look different. They are taller, they are broader, their chins are wider, they've got like the bum chins, if got and, any chins. and things like that. And you go and they are they are different. So but not only that, the sort of leader cast of people is more reptilian, sort of using the amygdala part of the, the brain, the reptile brain, the um amygdala. Yeah, that's that the one. one. Thank you. The um, oh, I thought he was, I thought it was like an Indian philosopher. Yeah, but the uh, he's uh, he's always there with uh, Baba O'Reilly. But the um, but but they they would you could say that's a pretty metaphor because they are different from us. They do use their brains in different ways. So yeah, calling them lizards and the fact that, you know metaphorically, yeah, they eat babies, they kill babies, yeah, they do. And metaphor, but so it works as a brilliant metaphor. But then of course David like goes, no, 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 not a metaphor, mate. They genuinely are lizards. And if you uh, come to my three-hour spectacular <laughs> at uh, Wembley Arena, I'll explain in great detail. <laughs> in great detail, at great expense. Why they are. Is, it, is, is that Scientology? It, well, it's, I mean, it's Scientology is a different thing. But that's kind of their vibe as well, isn't it? They're aliens rather than lizards, but yeah. Yeah, and, and we, we are made of... We, we are part alien. I think Scientology is much more... Insipid, insipid is the wrong word, much more insidious um, and, and actively bad, whereas I think you can kind of brush off a lot of Ike's stuff as just kind of Ike's going to Ike. Well, presumably he doesn't set up tents and stand on street corners and look for people who look like they might be depressed and yeah. go after them yeah. and then charge them money. So in that regard, so, well, yeah, he's, I mean, uh, he's not as bad as the Scientologists. Yeah, exactly. Scientology is, is, is um, purposefully playing, uh, preying on the weak or the dis- and or the disenfranchised, whereas Ike and people like him and Flat Earthers are just people who act- just really, really need people to look at them because they're not looking at them enough and so they need to come up with silly things to say in order for people to look at them. Like, So I have a theory about conspiracy theories. Ooh! And it, it's, no one else has it, so it's not <laughs> conspiracy theory. Um, so, Is this the theory that um, conspiracy theorists don't want you to know about? They probably don't. Um, and also people who go on about conspiracy theorists, the sort of people who are on the internet who would go, oh, that's a bit tinfoil hat, isn't it? That sort of people, they are, because conspiracy theories are nothing if not the canary, haha, in the coal mine, because the existence of a conspiracy theory shows you the existence of something that is a problem to the people that are seeing the conspiracy theories, yeah. that they don't understand, right. that they can't, actively change Mm -hmm. they are out of control in that particular aspect of their lives and we need to return um control to them essentially in some way we need to help them gain or feel control because it's that's that's my anyway that's my theory about um conspiracy theories and just no one else is uh and the, the, the the people out there just aren't letting me like tell people about it you'll probably <laughs> cut it won't you mark yeah, but yeah i mean they, they, they most often are responses to shocks aren't they so it, it's the not being able to believe that jfk or marilyn monroe is dead because you were enjoying that like, oh i was watching that yeah i was watching that not being able to believe that that 9-11 was just a bunch of dickheads being dickheads like you have to kind of go for something else so i i'm i'm absolutely I'm absolutely with you, um, Mr. B, uh, uh, on your thing, but where does Flat Earth come into that? Because that's not white men who've had it easy for the last 2,000 years getting upset and trying to find, rest back some kind of control by saying that their inability to function in the world is due to some higher power. That's just people who want to pretend that they think the Earth is flat. Like, what does anyone gain from 
keeping the truth from them. Well, I'm guessing the reason they're trying to keep the fact that the Earth is flat from us is because... I mean, it's it, wouldn't it just scare the shit out of you if you thought you could fall off? Oh, so we need to be kept placid and and, yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, okay. Going back to these, going back to these ruler lizards, not the David Icke lizards. Yes, this is an example of why De- uh, Douglas Adams. Much as I love him, I'm quite glad he isn't around today because he would have he would have taken on the mantle of the um, iconoclastic centrist dad. Yeah, this is what this is. A, this is a centrist dad piece of uh, writing. It sounds good. It sounds oh, the, these people—they're just—they're just stupid, and anybody else could sort it out. They just thought like me. But in this society, the lizards also obviously have control of the media, and some of the uh, people who aren't lizards, who they could possibly vote for, the media is telling people they shouldn't vote for because they can't win. Uh, and now, um, time for some more tech envy. The Pondomatic is another computer as uh, not as smart as Deep Thought, who in fact called it a cybernetic simpleton. JB, if you could pay a computer to think for you, would you? Yeah, of course. Wouldn't you? Everybody would, wouldn't they? Um, particularly some of the thoughts we have in the middle of the night. If the uh, computer could genuinely um, just remember that time when I was about four and uh, if he could do that job for me remembering about four when I wasn't as grateful as I should have been um, for a present that I was given if the computer could uh, remember that if the computer could remember for me the time that I was accidentally weeing over an underpass um, because I didn't know it was one um, and the some people walked underneath. The computer could remember that, yeah. and I was too drunk to say sorry properly. Um, I didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, you were a grown-up. Sorry, in my head, you were a child who'd been stopped. Uh, your, dad, your dad had stopped and told you to go for a week. Would that I had that um, excuse? I think I'd just come out of snob. <laughs> That's a nightclub for anyone who. Yeah. So, J- John, are you are you are you essentially saying not so much that you want the computer to have these thoughts for you, but you just want to get rid of them? Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And just not have to deal with them anymore. I, I like the idea that these. These memories have to be remembered for for some purpose because you know we we have to I don't know relearn humility or something because I, I I'm I'm like you I have the same thing um and I've developed an almost Tourette's like ability to just be in the kitchen and one of those thoughts will happen and the only way to make the thought go away is to sort of violently swear or just like fuck off fuck off get him um. So, like, yeah, a machine, if those, given the, the, the pretext that those thoughts have to be had and, and that mental energy has to be expended somehow, I like the idea that that could be ported off to, to a computer that can just, just churn through those numbers. Well, did you see that um, apparently um, if Bitcoin and its associated friends disappeared overnight, we would save 0.5% of global um, electricity, yeah. possibly avoiding um, some of the effects of climate change. Good grief. We'd also get our graphics cards back. So I'm just thinking all that computing power could be doing something. Because some, a lot of the thinking I do, most of the time, Mark... It's not like I'm thinking anything important. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of crunching of numbers for very little gain. In, 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 in that sense... That kind of aimless thinking is a lot like Bitcoin mining of the mind. We are almost there, though, aren't we? I mean, oh god, yeah, I don't remember anything anymore because I don't have to because it's all in a machine. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly what I'm going to say. I've, I've got th- uh, things on my phone, which is a, a, a task manager, and it's just every time something floats through my brain that needs to be done, I just put it in there. Yep, and then I don't have to think about it until I can 
open up the app and find out what what it is I need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we've outsourced um, thinking about our, our heating to um, British Gas Centrica's tech spin-off company, Hive. Ah, yes. Um, because we've had them put in a thing that means that we can computer program the, uh, the the boiler controls which which isn't isn't that dissimilar to back in the day when you used to have to sit there and, and you know you kind of do that thing with the clock and all and all that sort of stuff it's not that different to that or using video plus yeah or using video plus yeah I, I, I stood there for ages scanning tv quick trying to get the boiler to run off of the barcode <laughs> it never worked you should have used the qr code but uh, you know there's there's a, there's a lot more finer control of it and you can also remote control it and there's a there's a feature that it has which you can switch on where if it detects that you're nearly home and your temperature's at a certain thing, it boo, I'm going to put your boiler on and blah, blah, blah. The thing it can't outsource that I do need some help with is having an argument about why the heating's on <laughs> when I don't think it should be. <laughs> because there's very, 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 very few things as a man I'm able to kind of, you know, stomp my feet about. And one of them is the heating doesn't go on until November. Uh, and now, um, here comes the wedding crasher. Pudu is an executive from the company that built the cloning machines that created the hundreds of millions of Lintilla clones we meet on Brontetal in the second radio series. He draws up agreements to cease to be, which are disguised as marriage licences. Two of the three Alitnils, clones designed to be irresistibly attractive to Lintilla and her clones, marry two of the Lintilla clones, and thus the Lintillas are destroyed. Mr H, have you ever been bitten by not reading the entirety of a legal document? Click yes if you agree. <laughs> I mean, um, like everyone who's listening to this, my life must be a ticking time bomb of <laughs> things that I've not read that I've agreed to, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly post-GDPR, where everybody has come back at me asking for more permissions to do more things. Obviously, I've uh, accepted some Facebook terms and conditions, which mean that Facebook now own my mother or something, and I have to send Mark Zuckerberg a personal message. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if enough of us do it, apparently, uh, Microsoft sends everyone £15,000. I don't know how that chain letter works. But um, we've all ticked terms and conditions that we that we haven't read, that we haven't understood, and God alone knows what is going on with that. I did, I did, I did take out PPI back in the day, and I didn't really know what that was, um, and I didn't really care. But what was made very clear to me was that I couldn't have the large loan that I wanted and required at that moment unless I took it out. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out... <laughs> Turns out I didn't need it. Turns out I couldn't even use it. And turns out what that guy did was illegal. So that was great because I got money back with interest. Yeah, <laughs> you're 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 one of the people that the radio ads were aimed at and are still aimed at. Way. Well, they're not they're not aimed at me because as soon as I got a sniff, mm-hmm. I got my I got my reclaim ages ago. But those those radio ads and, and those TV ads were very 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 strange. One of my friends, um, when they first got their computer, they installed. I think it was Microsoft Office. Um, their dad got everyone to gather around the computer and made all of them read the terms and conditions of the wow. Office thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow! But then did he uh, cover up uh, Clippy with a doily? <laughs> Less it excites. <laughs> Clippy has seen too much. That's amazing. Man. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight or whatever. Yeah. That sounds like that sounds like a story. That, that sounds like in years to come, that will have become a good thing. Remember the days when your father would gather <laughs> you around the. Gather you around the PC and we all sit and read the terms and conditions and my 
probably getting like mild dose of skin cancer from the tube. Yep. And nowadays we all just read them on our Kindles. Yeah. Oh. But you can have it read to you on Audible. Oh, there you go. Yeah, we've got a code for that. <laughs> but the, there's a, there's another there's another way in which you can't um, where where you sign up for things that you didn't even know about, which is when you park now. There's there's tiny tiny signs really high up, very much in the mould of, of being in a filing cabinet <laughs> behind a door saying "Beware of the leopard." That says that because you're there, you've already agreed to a contract that you didn't know about. Oh, by entering their property. Yeah. Yeah. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, I I I, I do wonder about that because um, I don't know about websites, but I have seen either software or, or websites that say. By entering this, you have now agreed, and I don't understand how that's legally enforceable to to present the information after you've entered. I don't know how that is in any way legally enforceable. So, in uh, in in conclusion, really, what we're saying is that Douglas would have really very much enjoyed terms and conditions for for software and such. I feel like we talked about um, GDPR. I feel like that's something that's come up and. That would have been something that, um, that I think, yeah, he would have talked about. I think what Douglas would really like is, um, so you get these uh, adverts on the, the television these days, and they quite often feature either the voice of uh, a well-loved television presenter from your childhood or someone who can do the voice <laughs> of uh, yeah. a well-loved television uh, presenter from your childhood. And there's an advert um, floating around at the moment, and there's a, um, I don't know if you remember, Derek Griffiths. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think it's him doing the, the, the voiceover for this particular loan company, I think. And he's, um, oh, I'm Derek Griffiths. I'm not doing the voice. This isn't me doing the voice. This is me yeah, doing my voice. Probably, probably I'm, Derek, I'm, I'm Derek Griffiths. And is it a fruit drink? Oh, no, 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 no. And is it all this? And is it brilliant? And it's lovely. And you can do that. And you can do that. And right at the end, he goes, don't give me the vibe. You really do it. You might kill yourself. <laughs> Because he's got to get all the terms and conditions. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is farcical that they that they will, but both, both they they have to get they get through it so quickly, as you say, and you can't really make it out. And that all these adverts carry all of these disclaimers, and you, you're like, you're not just going to go if if it's um if if it's a car, right? oh get this get this car today on a hundred fifty pound a month. You're not just going to go into go into the garage or the. The, the car dealership and go hello i've come to buy the new uh, mini it's 150 pounds a month isn't it uh, yeah sure there's some things when you know it's fine i've heard it on the radio you don't need to tell me any more about this situation right now here is my 150 pounds i have counted it out you take it for me you give me the keys i take i will not hear another word about the terms and conditions sir i know that they apply <laughs> and that's all i need to know that sounded very much like that puzzle where three men want to buy a television and it's twenty one pounds, and they each give. <laughs> is that in the same? Is that in the same meme of the um, the, the 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 socialist and the conservative and the and the liberal democrat go to a bar and everyone laughs at the liberal democrat or whatever the joke is? No, it's not. It's not a joke. It's like a logic puzzle. Oh, okay. it's, it's uh, you. You basically go through a bunch of convoluted steps around. It's it's uh, okay. So it's you know that thing when you go into this this blows my mind off because i'm not bright but you go into a shop and you buy something that's you know um two pound 39 and they say have you got the one p and you're like no but i've got 20 p at that point i have to then trust that the person i'm buying the thing off can do the rest of the maths because i now don't know if i owe them more money 
or if they owe me some money, so I will take whatever they put into my hand and say, yep, that's probably legit. The missing one pound, the going with 21 pound and where did the pound go? It's it's like a sort of convoluted version of that, but I think also with added rounding errors. Um, and it's it's basically the pound, it, it's it's the three cup trick. It's the, it's, the, right. it's the pound is in one of the cups and then they keep moving the cups and then you don't know where the pound is, basically. And now, speaking of numbers, to a number that is pretty much definitely not unequal to zero, I think. It is known that there are an infinite number of worlds, but not every one of them is inhabited. So there must be a finite number of inhabited worlds. Any finite number divided by infinity is as near to nothing as makes no odds. So the average population of all the planets in the universe can be said to be zero. From this, it follows that the population of the whole universe is also zero, and that any people you may meet from time to time are merely the products of a deranged imagination. Bounder. What? So, this is where anybody who thinks infinity is a number (laughs) is um, barking up the the wrong tree. But it's also a really good... Um, illustration of why uh, you should be careful which of the three forms of average you would use when using statistics. Of course, the mean of these uh, inhabited, the number of people on these planets is, could well be as close to zero, but the the median won't be. No. Well, it could be. Actually, the, the median probably the mode the, might be yeah the, the mode, mode would be very close in fact the mode might be infinity because it's the mode is the most common number isn't it well the median might also be zero actually when you consider the me, the the median of the populations of the worlds in the solar system is zero mm-hmm. and the mode would be zero as well actually no it's right <laughs> in it it's all fine i got someone to explain to me um a couple of weeks ago there's uh, friends of the show um it's nice to be able to say that um friends of the show um uh, from from Cat's Cabinet of Curiosities, um, Cat Turner is a uh, mathematician and a conspiracy expert, Mark. So she's very much on brand. Very today. much on brand. Um, you should listen to their show; it's very good. Um, I got her to try and explain why. Oh no, I because I, I started having the conversation of why the square root of minus one is i and why that's fine. Um, we just say we call it I and, and, and that's complex okay. Num- complex numbers, that is complex yeah, numbers. Yeah, because it's really hard. So it's okay to just go, yeah, th- it's really hard, so we'll just give it a name. Um, but I, try- I-, I actually just got her to explain what pi was. Um, and I- we got about three numbers in, and I-, I just kept nodding and smiling, going, that's fascinating, and then walked away at the end and going... 3.14... Uh, no, I mean, I know, what, I know what pi is. I just don't know what pi is. I don't know why why it is. Uh, so I know what pi is. I don't know why pi is. As long as it has a as long as it has a pastry base. Yes. Otherwise, it's just a so stew. Stew with a lid. Yeah. Stew with a lid. Exactly. There's a there's a pub brand by us that advertises all things pie. Ugh. I don't want an all things pie. Well, I, don't, I want to some things pie. There's something about the infinity, um, and I've talked before about. Um, Zeno's Paradox, I think, on this show. But the really reason I know about Zeno's Paradox is I once uh, stayed up too late and uh, watched an open university um, programme which featured uh, the woman who played Joy in Drop the Dead Donkey, whose name oh, I cannot... Oh, fantastic. Uh, but she was staying in this uh, show at the Hotel Hilbert. Mm-hmm. And the Hotel Hilbert has uh, an infinite number of rooms and the only way they can fit a new guest in 
is for every time a new guest checks in, they move up every guest by double the number of their room. But I don't know. I don't is the know. call still happening? I, I don't know. I think, basically, <laughs> if you uh, ring room service and ask for a pie, they could probably get all things in it. Oh, good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great shame that the Open University isn't part of television anymore, isn't it? Because you, you, you did used to come home and just go, oh, what's this now? I'm going to learn about theoretical physics while I'm blasted off my tits. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, there is that context that, generally speaking, you're not quite ready for the information they're going to transmit to you. Sure. <laughs> well, it was that or Central Job Finder. There was not a lot to do in the warehouse. <laughs> well, for me, so because I was I was a young man when, um, when a lot of that kind of stuff was, was happening, and so I, I didn't really stumble... The, you know, the, the, there was more TV um, when I was stumbling home from, um, you know, be, being drunk. Um, and so the the Open U wasn't something I would watch. But as a younger person, it was something that I would flick away from um, because I would, in, in those wee small hours when I couldn't sleep and, and I would lie awake in bed until it was five o'clock, which I knew was probably the earliest I could get up without being um, severely told off, I would go downstairs and in the days the early days of of cable um i would find um infomercials um so often often the open U was on and i would sort of skip past it um again not very bright so i would watch these infomercials which were always always an american and a the same British guy with a ponytail. Um, always, always. A different American. The, the American was interchangeable, but always a British guy with a ponytail. You know, it, it was all while stocks last, and it was these amazing blenders that also drove your microwave and helped you with your tax insurance um, mm-hmm. and, and, and would broil. They, they would talk about broiling, which is not a thing that exists, <laughs> uh, but, but they would tell you about these things that let you broil. Can, can we just go around the table and work out what broil is? Is it... Um, is it boil and broil together? Are you kind of like steaming it whilst you're grilling there it? Is a, there is a proper word for what broiling is. It is a real thing, but it's not. It's, it, it's, it's just another word for a thing that already exists. It's the fight you have in a Western pub, right? <laughs> and now, uh, since we haven't done one in a while, here is a book recommendation. Practical Parenting in a Fractally Demented Universe is a book. We live in strange times, says an extract. We also live in strange places, each in a universe of our own. The people with whom we populate our universes are the shadows of whole other universes intersecting with our own. Being able to glance out into this bewildering complexity of infinite recursion and say things like, Oh, hi, Ed. Nice tan. How's Carol? Involves a great deal of filtering skill for which all conscious entities have eventually to develop a capacity in order to protect themselves from the contemplation of the chaos through which they seethe and tumble. So, give your kid a break, okay? There's a lot of truth in this, though, because I was, uh, I've was i read a few um, sort of like parenting um, books and things like that, but uh, I don't have any advice for anybody. But what I did do have is a brilliant fact. Ooh. You know how sometimes people who may be racist, would claim they can't tell people of a different race apart. They all look alike. Well, when you think about it, we are trained to get our our brains fill in a lot of of the detail. Because the bits of our brains that sort of make stuff up work a lot more quickly than the bits of our brains actually taking sensory input. You can 
for example, if you, you can do tests where you fuzz out the sort of edge of a picture and you won't, you will have pretty much seen it because you'll have guessed it. Your brain will have filled in that information and guessed it. The, the same thing happens with, um, with the written word. Uh, there was a, a thing that went around years ago um, before the viral internet that was you would email someone um and this this i find this interesting because this works on people who don't have visual impairments or specific types of visual impairments so it would basically be the the end the bookends of 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 words um so the the first and the last letter or two of each word um in a sentence that makes sense and then all the letters uh, either uh, in between those bookends were gibberish um so you take a sentence like being able to glance out into our bewildering complexity of infinite recursion um that's a sentence um so you take the b and the g of being but then the e the i and the n are different letters and because you are built as a pattern recognizing machine you just read the first and the last letter of each word and make up the rest because your brain just goes yeah i probably know what that is um and so yeah in the same way that you can look at a picture this this has been proven to work in the written word as well but not if you're like me and you have a visual impairment which means you have to read every letter um so i i I discovered this you know about 20 odd years ago someone sent it to me thinking wow isn't this amazing and i went well, it says Beijing. So you may you may, may well be the exception, Mark, then that proves this rule. Because apparently, I've not tested this because I'm not the sort of person who does experiments on babies. <laughs> but children under one can tell the difference between individual monkeys in the same way that we can tell the difference between individual people. Mm-hmm. And you lose your ability to distinguish monkeys at about one. <coughs> They've tested this. They got a load of like macaques or pictures of macaques, probably because they're less dangerous, <laughs> and showed them to a load of babies. And the babies could tell which monkey that was each. That one's Steve. That one's Marcel. That one's <laughs> um, Cuddles or whatever. The babies could tell the monkeys apart. And as you get older. Because we don't need the ability to take monkeys apart, tell monkeys apart, take monkeys apart, <laughs> unless one works in a monkey house, we lose that ability. So babies are born with that ability. They are born with less of the ability to filter out things that this um, practical parenting in a fractionally demented universe is talking about. And now, so help me God, it's this guy. Prack is a little man with scraggly hair given too much of a truth drug after the cricket robots stole the Arguebuthon Scepter of Justice and jogged the surgeon's arm while the drug was being administered. When asked to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, he begins to tell the court the entire history and present of the universe. John. John. John, 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 John. Right. John, any holes to pick in this um, this bit of plot, John? Um, yes, yeah, 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 good, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, everyone, it's time for Beware of the Leopard's favourite corner, Hickman Splaining. Um, he's. Is history true? Um, well, I, I, oh, you've taken it a different way than I expected. He's just he's just telling an account of 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 history and and the present. But it's only what he knows. There has to be an empirical truth. This though. is his truth, and then we can tell him ours. Being in, this, is, this is interesting, because in the um, the alt-right blaming us for... Uh, blaming 
us postmodernists here. Right. I was saying for um, all the problems in the world because we moved away from the idea of an objective truth. I thought it was because we were eating too many avocados. Okay. Anyway, so the but this is the bit I don't get about the idea of. Um, so yes, of course, any tale that we could tell of history is relative but there must be an objective truth there is a universal blockchain of of events that happen there is a universal ledger of things that have occurred but truth is i guess a relative thing and so can there ever be an objective truth there can be uh, it it might be something that we don't have a word for and it might be that i'm disappearing into my own navel slash asshole with this but i think truth is ultimately subjective but there is some kind of there are things that have happened but it's that sort of tree falling in the forest thing isn't it the truth is the observation of the thing that has happened but a thing has happened but the truth is the record of the thing which is not the thing itself so are you saying oh god oh no are you saying that (laughs) probably not because we have this 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 blockchain of of inscrutable uh, undeniable facts are you saying that if we switch the servers off for that, we might stop the heat death of the universe? Because that's going to draw a lot of power. And we get all our graphics cards back. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy had the um, had the objective truth uh, on a hard drive before it was valuable, uh, but he put it in a, in a tip in Wales. And if you can find it, it's uh... so. What are the holes in this plot, John? Sorry, the whole thing's just like a string vest. It's just it's he. It, it's very very simple. How can you recount history, all of it, and no things just because you've been given a drug it, it's a good joke but it's ah! so red red dwarf even at, at its peak when it was at its best would have taken this and run with it and made an entire story out of it and it's fairly throwaway here i was gonna say the main problem with a man who this happened to would it be incredibly boring the whole truth would be incredibly boring not just the not just the fact that in the sense of print the legend, but he go. So there was this electron. Uh, <laughs> we had this uh, probability density function of deciding where this particular electron was, and it turns out it was actually here. This 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 thing is is a comedy trope. I mean, we're, we're all watching uh, the Good Life, and they did it with Jason just in the first. I think the first episode back in this season. Oh, you mean the Good Place? <laughs> I said the Good Place. Didn't I? No, you said the Good Life. <laughs> Funnily enough, I am watching The Good Life. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, where where he where you know kind of like asked a simple question of like, tell me what's happening. He he recounted every single detail, including the fact that he was stood there recounting the detail. <laughs> um, it, it's a it's it's a good comedy setup. It's a good it's a good comedy joke. But I, I read an interesting thing when I was preparing for the episode where I wasn't looking for information on this particular character. I was looking for information on something else. And I stumbled across a piece where somebody was talking about um, one of our little tropes, which is talking about Adams and Pratchett. Mm. And this particular sequence um, and the, the character of Pratt came up in that, where it was sort of saying, like, because of the way uh, Douglas wrote, which was a bit sporadic, a bit ad hoc, and a bit like, I don't really want to write right now, um, uh, and deadline's going to wish over my, over my head, um some characters were just written as jokes yeah and um it's a slightly unfair criticism to say oh he just writes people as jokes and he doesn't care because some people who are jokes can can come back and can be meaningful in different ways as we've seen when we talked before about um agrajag where where things that have happened become parts of his story later on but uh, they make the point that kind of 
Prax got this this comedic thing of oh, I've had the truth serum, I'm going to tell the truth, and then he just laughs at Arthur and dies. And it's like, well, that's just that's just kind of like that's not a character, that's that's a joke. But if Pratchett writes somebody like that, that person could come back in another book and another book and another book and suddenly become the hero of a book. There are lots of decisions that got made in film, um, and I, I think TV as well, um, that we wouldn't make now because there are lots of what what now look like mistakes and, and actually are mistakes in, in film and TV mm-hmm. um, because we didn't have the benefit of being able to record them. And so no one was ever going to see this thing again. Mm. Um, and I wonder if there's an element of that in the way Adams wrote because, you know, as, as we know and as I said before, the radio series came first and that was, it was a radio series. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a radio series that then got adapted. And so mm-hmm. when you write in that mode, he was a writer for TV and, 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 and for radio in a time when the BBC taped things and then taped over the tapes. Um, so the work's ephemeral. Yeah, exactly. Um, thank mm. you for saying that in one, <laughs> in one word that I <laughs> took 300 to say. Um, and so I, I wonder if that changes the types of jokes that he makes because... They are literally ephemeral jokes. They are throwaway jokes. But Pratchett knew he was writing books and he knew that he was building a world and so he was able to approach it in a different way. That's really interesting. So we solved that. Um, So finally, um, to uh, a religion of sorts. Ford learns how to skin animals on Earth from an ex-Praylite monk. The galaxy is littered with them, uh, apparently, all on the make, because the mental control techniques the Order um, have evolved as a form of devotational discipline are, frankly, sensational. Uh, And extraordinary numbers of monks leave the Order just after they have finished their devotional training and just before they take their final vows to stay locked in small metal boxes for the rest of their lives. I miss this kind of inconsequential footnote, um, for want of a better word, tomfoolery, um, in science fiction writing. Um, we've just been talking about Pratchett, and obviously there's a, um, a an allusion there to, to his kind of writing, but I wonder um, if the panel um, has uh, any recommendations um, for uh, books or, or other sci-fi properties that still uh, enjoy these kinds of flights of fancy. In terms of the footnotes, um, there's one uh, book which... Um I don't know if either of you have read, which is all of the gold is in the footnotes. In fact, most of the book is in the footnotes. And it's um, uh, Stuart Lee's book of his annotated um, stand-up routines. Oh, right. Um, it's phenomenal um, as a read. It um, takes three of his um, uh, stand-up, stand-up routines, not as he wrote them, but as they have been transcribed from the from actual performances right which is interesting in itself because um he'll say on this night i did this for this reason and basically the transcripts are there and roughly about half of the page on any one page is a footnote about why he said that how this why this particular uh, bit of the script was structured in this way how um, the audience were reacting what he might have done differently on different nights um, the research he did into creating this thing what he was trying to do whether or not it worked so it's like york notes for yeah yeah it's it's phenomenal is it how i escape my certain fate there's, there's How I Escape My Certain Fate. There's also um, a sort of e-book version of the next show he did, which is, uh, I think, so if you... Pref- um, 
Uh, if you'd prefer a milder comedian, please ask for one. I think that's the, the um, but the, yes, you should definitely, 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 you two particularly are interested in the mechanics of comedy. Mm. And it's, it gives absolute lie to the fact that uh, a joke is like a frog that you can't dissect it to find out how it works because you totally, totally, totally can the man does and he makes you laugh while he does it. So uh, I, uh, like, like John, I had a, I had a think about, about footnotes in a very literal sense of who's good at footnoting, who's good at footnoting. And, he, and it is, at, at, um, you know, Pratchett is the other person who takes you on the sides and that's one of the ways in which a lot of people have kind of compared them as these kind of, these little avenues and noodling around with ideas. But the best literal footnoting that I know of, I was trying to think of someone who's still alive. It's an old book, but the best footnoting ever is um, Alan Moore's From Hell. Uh, it takes me longer to read the footnotes <laughs> than it does for me to read the chapters. And in the footnotes, Alan Moore explains the, this is a very circular episode, actually. <laughs> he explains the objective truths that are known, Ooh. the facts that are written down. Mm-hmm. He explains the rumours and the... He explains what other writers have said about these moments. Mm-hmm. He explains how he's chosen the things that he's chosen. And um, he also explains the uh, contemporary geography, the historical geography, and the psychogeography of the spaces in which the events were taking place uh, in excruciating in sometimes detail. To sort of answer my own my own question, actually, as I was um, hearing hearing you all speak, I thought of uh, an example of a um, a fan. I don't know if you call it fancy. Um, it's it's um, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. Um, after seeing the TV show, which I thoroughly enjoyed, mm. uh, I then went and read the book. Uh, which is by Suzanne Clark, uh, Susanna Clark, right. and uh, that is littered with footnotes. Oh, is it? So, b- because of this sort of uh, the style of writing, it's written as a sort of a factual account, and so the footnotes work really well. So it's it's not trying to be funny; it's not adding them for comic effect. It's literally, you know, it, it is fleshing out this world and adding more context. And uh, I think there may be references to books that exist in this particular universe. Um, and and uh, so yeah, it, it's a um, it, it is I think a, a good example of um, of that still being done um, in that kind of genre of um, of work. So that's that's good news. Yeah, right. And uh, that just about uh, that just about wraps it up for the leopard. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you want to follow us uh, online, um, you know, I mean. If you're a Twitter person, it's fine. It's we're, we're still we're making the best of it. We're doing we're doing the best we can. It's well, if you are a Twitter person, please don't at me to say that from hell is ends noted, not footnoted, because I know. Well, you can follow John uh, there, um, and if you want more Hickman's planning in your life, you can follow him at John Hickman on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow John Bounds at Bounder, and you'll find me at I am Stedman. A uh, little bit of business uh, that our other um, counterpart is uh, he's dead. Um, he's not. He's just in Mexico. Um, um, if he is dead by the time this goes out, then I'm really sorry about that, Danny's family. Um, but Danny will be back with us uh, as soon as he can. But we are going to do our best between the three of us to um, hold the fort. <laughs> but until next week, thank you very much for listening and uh, share and enjoy.
This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. I thought it was because we were eating too many avocados. Okay. <laughs> See, that does a great joke in that. See, uh... oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, you didn't land it, Mark, but let's workshop it. <laughs> the joke is uh, um, my uh, scouse uncle um, has uh, got a, a job um, delivering um, for a major supermarket chain. Has he got a van? No, he does have a car, though. <laughs> <laughs> British jokes for British listeners. Do, 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 do.